What is up? Welcome back to the Back Center Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything Nevada Athletics, episode 136. I'm your host, Matt Hanif. I'm here with my co-host, Isaiah Bros. Isaiah, it's been a while since we've done this. It's been like two weeks, but it feels like it's been two years. We're back. Yeah, we're back. Feels like a reunion. Yeah? Yeah, way. how was your uh, or happy, merry belated Christmas? And for those who don't celebrate Christmas, happy belated holidays. Yeah. Um, no. We hope you're all doing well. We hope you all had a very safe and a wonderful holiday weekend. Isaiah, did you do anything fun for the holidays? Just trained for a marathon. I was basically the gist and saw the Warriors get blown out by the Bucks. So Is that what you did on your Christmas is watch the Warriors get blown out? Yeah, that and trained. But what you I know did you feast up on basketball or anything like that? I watched what was it? All twelve hours of basketball on Christmas. It's well worth it. Oh, it was tremendous. It's it's my favorite uh, Christmas tradition. I hate. And to... I also spent time. I also spent like time with family, of course. Um, my brother was in town, so that was cool. Um, so it was just my parents, my brother, and I throughout uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas. And so, but yeah, since basketball started on the twenty second, I've been just constantly. Whenever it's been on, watch that. And then, of course, uh, I've watched. I watched some college over the weekend. I watched some college basketball. I saw a little bit of uh, Boise State, New Mexico. I can't remember what day it was, but I saw a little bit of that. Um, who Nevada basketball will play this next week was New Mexico. And then I watched some, of course, some bowl games. Bowl games on. The, we're going to be talking about that Nevada Tulane. And I watched some other bowl games throughout the weekend because I'm. I don't. Do you do the college bowl mania? On ESPN? Not really, but I do check in every once okay. in a while. I don't actually watch them, but, okay. you know, I got to check. I got to be box score watching. For sure, for sure. Especially there were some crazy plays that day, too, so I've seen some of them. But, yeah, no, I pretty much throughout this holiday weekend have sat on my behind. The opposite of you. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite Christmas tradition? That's a great question. Um, it's probably, I don't know, maybe just seeing family, I guess. Maybe that's okay. it. just like, just get, yeah, trying to get one. together. I know this year was very difficult. And for those who couldn't see their family, um, you know, you're in my thoughts. That's really sad, but for sure. especially in this year, I know it's been difficult. I couldn't even travel out as I originally planned this year, but that's what it's all about. I guess it's just trying to get together. Kind of, you know, you kind of enjoy those types of moments when you get older. It's no longer about the materialistic things. So it's basically just that. I mean, do you have a favorite one by any chance? Is it is it the like the ham at the Hannafin household or something? Or? Watch basketball. <laughs> that's, that's basically it. Sports. Sports. <laughs> well, it's like I'm a big NBA fan. And, of course, Miami played on Christmas Day. They kicked it off against the Pelicans. And so, I mean, that's cool, but unfortunately this year they were all blowouts, so none of the games were really that exciting, but hey, I'll still watch them. Regardless of who's playing, I'll still watch it. Um, yeah. let's, get, let's stop talking about uh, professional sports for just a moment. Nevada won a bowl game. We didn't even get to preview the bowl game because we found out the Reynolds School was closed. What was it? The 22nd. It was from the 22nd through the 27th. I thought it was like the 18th. Was it the... You know what? It may have been it, even It's earlier. so long ago, dude. I can't even... I just know we walked up to the J School on the 22nd, tried to open the door, and no. It was locked from both entrances. So I thought it was the 18th. You're probably right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I got confused because the 22nd was, like, was the bowl game. I wasn't here on the we're not 22nd. Gonna be, we're not going to be previewing a bowl game on the day of the bowl game. <laughs> so, I, so I got that confused. But, yeah, I think it was the 18th or something like that. And that was unfortunate because it really scaled back. We could have done the preview and the recap if we could have. But it's all good. You know, we're here now. It feels like seven years have gone by since that bowl game happened. Yes. Same thing like, with yeah. Nevada basketball, men's and women's. Just like I, it just felt so like ancient. Yeah, what sense. is what is time at this point? It feels like it. It's time just isn't been very real. Slow. Oh, I have a question to ask you. This is, I mean, again, off topic. Before we get into like actual stuff, um, 
Actually, this isn't a question. This is a take. I got a take. New Year's Day is the dumbest holiday ever. Like, what's the point of New Year's Day? To celebrate a new year when literally everything is exactly the same as it was the day before. I partially agree with that. You partially agree with that? I par- I don't. I think I could find a more overrated holiday. That's just me. Okay. All right. What What do you got? You know, I have a couple in mind too. Who? What am I thinking? Let's see here. You know, Halloween. No, I'm not gonna hate on Halloween. Um, for me, I mean. The one that comes to mind is probably St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. It's just for an excuse for people to get, like, wasted. It's, yeah. I mean, there's some pointless holidays, but I, I certainly agree with New Year's. I used to celebrate that a little bit when I was younger. Not anymore. I, I got really work on that day. I'm, I'm going to bed. I'm not even <laughs> staying up till 12 a.m. And like you said, as soon as it hits, it's like 45 seconds of enjoyment, and then it's like, all right. Well, no, at the same time, it's like people create these New Year's resolutions and half the time it's like they wait 36 hours later and it's like, oh, wait, I know, actually know why I didn't do this before. Like, this is terrible. So outlandish. I mean, of course, if it's goals like to be like to be a better person, which is usually my goal because it's simple and it's something I strive for every day anyways. But um, if it's something like that, then OK, I get it. No, no, I totally get you with the resolution point of view. It's like. Most of them don't even come true. Some of them are. Or most I of think them don't fulfill. They set them so high. Like, it's good to set those lofty expectations for yourself. But if you know you don't have the discipline and self-control to be able to do those types of things, go a little bit lower. Do something that you know can be in your control and kind of in your daily lifestyle, something you can fit in. But people just come up with these outlandish ones. And it's like, yeah, you're not going to fulfill those if you don't try like a lot of those new year's resolutions should be starting before the new year even begins that's how i that's how i kind of think about it get a head start and then you can really see where you're at but yeah as a whole new year's not that big of a fan anymore it's weird no usually i just do the same thing i do every which is like i don't know play play video games or something yeah listen to music I don't know. It just feels like every other day to me. It's like the same. It's like my same philosophy. This is like personal. All of this is subjective, by the way. Yeah, from both of us. I totally agree. Um, But like, I don't celebrate my birthday because I just, it's, I mean, my family does, but the family like gets me gifts and like tries to take me out to dinner or whatever. But I don't like celebrate it myself. I, I just treat it like every other day. I agree. And people like think I'm crazy. It's just not something. I do, and I just treat it like every other day. No, I'm totally with you. Like you said, I treat it like every other day, too, because it's, it's not that big of a deal anymore. Like, I don't expect, like, different treatment. Yeah, it's, you know, we're not 10 anymore. I think this is something called growing up. We're just becoming a little bit older and bitter. Well, it's not really something I've ever done. Oh, really? Even back when you were, like, young, young? Like, 8, 9, 10? Okay, maybe 8, 9, 10, but, like, I don't really remember those that much. I agree. I feel you. Still, um, I know where you're coming from because like, birthdays become. Even in like middle school and high school, it's just like, oh, like, okay. It's a, it's a certainly a day. And I would rather celebrate. How, how do you feel about this day? I know we're like super off topic here, but what about celebrating the day after your birthday? Because it's like, oh, I'm like, I've been living for a day. No, I, you, you know, know what? At that I mean, point, I don't do that. I'm but, like, I just. It. People have birth weeks. It's like, okay, that's weird. What are we doing? <laughs> what are we? Okay, is that yeah. an excuse to, for like extra celebration? Like, I, I don't know. I have no idea. At the birth week. It's like, hey, it's the same thing for people who celebrate Christmas like weeks at a time. Wait, do people actually do that? Is mm-hmm. that a thing? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, holidays and celebrations. Facts with Isaiah. Thank you. It's the new segment we're doing. Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring it every every single time. All right, guys, that's it for the episode. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, let's get back to what we came here for. I'm time. sorry that that was needed though. That was needed. I don't know. I just felt like, be, considering this probably will be our last episode before the new year, I just wanted to get that off my chest. And I don't know how that transitioned into birthdays, but just special types of days, right? 
I, I get I get where you're coming from. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about this Nevada uh, famous Idaho potato bowl. I actually almost went to uh probably like a, like a fast food place this morning just to get the fries so we could talk about it while I'm eating fries, but. I don't think that's allowed in the J school one and two, like fast food fries are like significantly bad for you. <laughs> two and three, like it's, it's currently 10 30 in the morning. So I don't really don't want to get, yeah, fries. I was gonna say, get the sodium, <laughs> get the sodium levels, kick it in. Yeah, like, uh, but I was like, as a celebratory meal, we could have done it. I think Jay Norvell celebrated for the both of us with yeah his dumping of fries on him. That was so cool. So that caught worth, national like attention. Yeah, so worth the penalty too. That was a ludicrous. I mean, I understand why it was. Yeah, bad, but fries are on the field. Penalty. You know, <laughs> still so worth it. It's the best fifteen yard you can give up. And immediately after Cameron Keller had that sixty-five uh, yard touchdown, it was like, <laughs> I mean, it's a garbage time yeah. touchdown, but it's just like, what? What? Come on! I know it's just to make the score look prettier for. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah, well. good thing For it wasn't earlier in the game. Yeah. Or, like, good thing the score wasn't closer. No. Oh, gosh. We I dumped like the, the fries. No, but I feel like he would have waited to pour it. Yeah. No, we were at that point. It is what it is. We're up three scores. Might as well get it. Not get it over with, but might as well. And You could tell it was on the players' minds. <laughs> as soon as the clock's, like, when the final minute hit. They were already starting the preparations, and then during the final seconds, it. Well, it was it, the funniest part was was they showed a like camera shot of players like eating the yes, fries out Toa. of the bucket. Yeah, Toa got a big handful of fries. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> he had his gloves on and everything. He had his helmet on him. He's just, hey, you do you. Yeah, no, he not not he specifically, but just a bunch of players and the coaches just got big handfuls. Would you rather get... Or just we're just eating the fries out of the Gatorade? What was it, what was it in the Gatorade? Was like, it, I sure? think it was. And that brings up another question. Would you, as a coach, would you rather get showered as like a regular Gatorade bath where you're just soaked? Or would you rather have like a French fry bath like Norvell got? I mean, if you think about it, from a cleanliness standpoint, could be a little bit easier you get the benefit of eating some of them. You can't just drink the Gatorade from your shirt. You can you a little bit, but it's would like... Would you eat the fries off of the turf? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't care if 58 people have been stepping on them throughout the course of the game. They're mine. <laughs> but hell, I'd put ketchup right on the 20-yard <laughs> line marker and just start eating it right there. Screw the penalty. I'd do I'd take the penalty. I'd do ranch instead of ketchup. You know what? They referees may not even catch it if it's ranch. Just make it like a yard marker. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would. I'd take the fries. I don't know about you. I don't know. I mean, the Gatorade bath. I, you do bring up a good point. You're sopping wet. You're cold. If it's done correctly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like thanks, guys. Now I need to shower. Like right now, but with the fries, at least there's some sort of yeah, benefit yeah. to it. I could see, I could see an argument being made for fries and that, but then again, it's like also like greasy. It's a great point. Maybe. Hopefully, at that point, the fries have been sitting there for a while. I don't yeah. know if they're hot or cold. That's I'd imagine them to That's be cold. I'd imagine them to be cold. Yeah. We're talking rock. <laughs> We're talking like not that good. Of quality, but what if they got it like from the concession stand? Oh my! Then it would be hot. You're getting poured right on the deck, right there. That could that could hurt. Not hurt, but you know, it can get your attention. You you probably I don't know if you'd feel it. If you had so many of them pouring on you, I don't think so. Uh, Maybe maybe. because then again, you're in gear. Really, areas are only exposed, especially if you have a face mask on. It's really like your neck, Mm -hmm. your ears, so. Maybe some fall through your clothes. I don't know. Yeah, that would be a negative too. Yeah, you don't have to worry about that with the Gatorade bath. No. Just being wet Just and your clothes. Wet and cold. And your clothes soaked. And then but again, you're going to be smelling be. like fries if it's... 
Yeah, there's some positives and negatives to it. I, I'd probably go fries. I think I'd go with fries as well. I mean, but in, in Norvell's case, why not both? You're absolutely right. He got the he got the best of both worlds. Anyways, I'm sorry. We got off topic again, but that was just a we another are, worthy discussion. We are at 16 and a half minutes into this podcast, and we have talked a total of five seconds about this football game. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's what the people want to hear. Yeah, Nevada won 38-27. They got out to 19-0 lead. The lead trimmed to 26-20 uh, pretty quickly in the second half. And it was like, oh, is Nevada going to blow another lead, second half lead? And this team was resilient. We put together two more touchdowns late in the game to kind of ice the victory. And then, of course, Cameron Carroll had his 65-yard touchdown to, from, to make it 38-27, which, again, ended up being the final score. It was a nice bounce-back victory, especially what happened against San Diego or San Jose State. Definitely. It was pretty it was pretty fulfilling and a high note to end the season. Thank God we were able to play this bowl game. Nevada was just one of two teams in the Mountain West to play all nine of their scheduled games. The other one being Hawaii, who also played in the bowl game over the weekend, who upset beat, Houston. Yeah, beat another American Athletic Conference team. I think we're like the Mountain West is five and all time against the American Athletic Conferences. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but it's like, oh I don't know. Just the... Square up against the Sarah here. Yeah, I guess. Come I on. No, credit. No, like you said, what a way it was to end the year because that San It was Jose- a tumultuous, like... It was. After that San Jose State oh. game, like, Nevada was, of course, 6-2. and two. If We said this on the last podcast, but if you were to tell us at the beginning of the year that we were 6-2 and two at the end of the season, we'd be like, oh, that's awesome. Yes. But it's, it's just considering the, way it the events that occurred against San Jose State, um, especially after the start that we got out to, it was, it was very deflating. And for Nevada to not have history repeat itself against Tulane was a breath of fresh air and, again, a good note or a great note on that matter to end the season. Oh, most definitely. Uh, I think you saw a complete team effort, especially on both sides of the ball. Offense moved the ball so well. Defense totaled eight sacks. It was a great, just kind of well-rounded performance, and it helped us get out to a double-digit lead. And as a whole... To end the year 7-2 and two with another bowl win, second one in three years. I mean, you're taking those numbers. And considering, like you said, if you would have told us by the end of the regular season we play all eight games, we're 6-2, and two, would have been stoked. But considering the circumstances and how much more we could have accomplished, of course that left some room to be desired. But to end the year with a bowl victory over a good Tulane squad. They're much better really than good. their six and five record oh, heading into definitely. the game. They're much better than their record said. Um, I know they got out to a really slow start and they were missing some pieces defensively, but they they were a good team and they were the arguably the best offense that Nevada's faced all year. I mean, of course, San Jose State and Fresno State are two very high powered offenses, but in terms of like putting points up on the board, Tulane trumped both of them. Where they were averaging thirty five a game heading into what was it Tuesday. I think the game was on Tuesday. Nevada, for at least most of the contest, shot them down well. Yeah. I mean, it was impressive. And just another way to end the year on a high note. And so many different key performers stepped up. And I know we'll get into that throughout the course of this podcast. But as a whole, great way to end the year. And the fact that we played all nine games this season was awesome. Just hats off to Nevada. Hats off to their opponents and everything like that for just getting through an unprecedented season, one like any other. And, yeah, I mean, big things ahead for this program as a whole. I mean, this this team's only going to get better in a lot of aspects potentially and has a really good chance to keep improving and growing. And I, I just can't wait for the future, you know, just getting a taste of some of the success this season. Big things ahead for next year as well. Yeah, the future is bright. And here's the question I want to ask you before we get into the details of the game. What are the odds, considering NCAA granted another year of eligibility for every player, essentially, what are the odds do you think everyone returns? I think or there's a least, good chance. At least like the big guns like Carson Strong, um, Elijah Cooks. Oh, definitely. I think for a good chance. Sam Hammond. I think for a good chance, 
Cooks, and another one that may not be talked about is Julian Diaz. Julian Diaz, yeah, that's Julian another Julian Diaz one, yeah. is another key one because he was great this year for special teams, as you all know, and we really need him. We don't really have anyone behind him at the moment, so if they can grant another year of extra eligibility, I think you'll see several Wolfpack players take advantage of it. And that's just kind of a scary thought. You add a healthy Elijah Cooks to what this offense already showcased without him, it's scary. And that's... If Romeo Dubs, you know, chooses to return, which certainly hope he does. But with that being said, no matter what, very young unit, no matter what, we'll have Carson Strong behind center at least one more year. So, well, I'm talking. Uh, well, actually, I think I phrased that wrong. Like, are you the, talking the next two? The seniors. Okay, just the seniors as a whole. I mean, of course, like I don't know if this would happen, but like Romeo could, in theory, go to the dra- like opt to the NFL draft if he wanted to. Carson Strong also could do the same thing considering he was a redshirt sophomore. And so there's players who aren't who weren't seniors this year who could elect to go to the NFL draft, but I mainly I'm just talking about like the seniors like also like Jermaine Ledbetter, like Tyler Rossini, another the offensive line, Sam yeah. Hammond, as I mentioned before, Lawson Hall. Just so many key contributors, key impact players this year. If we can get those guys back If again, we can get yeah, if we can get everyone back. My goodness. Just showcasing, you know, because we've seen the infusion of young talent throughout the year, but rock-solid seniors who have just kind of led the way this year for us. And to have them back for a whole other season would be huge. I'm sure some will graduate, some bigger names. We don't know who. Nope. Just speculation at this point, but we'll just have to see. And it's interesting. It's another interesting topic to bring up because, as you know, as we kind of all know, Cook's season was cut short due to injury. You know, he may be hungry to be back for the field, to return and just, you know, have a healthy season under him in an offense that flourished this year. So <laughs> could be scary in that He regard. dubs in Cole Turner. <laughs> That's scary. That's with Tory Horton. Justin Lockhart. Justin Lockhart. Oh my gosh. Melquan Stovall. Weapons. I feel like I uh, here here's a hot take. This is absolute speculation. One of those might transfer. Yeah, you you know what? That brings up a good point, too. So many mouths like, to feed. Right. There's going to be... I feel like there's going to be some players sitting in the transfer portal and or graduating. That could be scary. That could be a scary thought, too. But yeah, you it's bring just up... how college athletics works. Yeah. Hey, that's... Student athletes and college Division One athletes, for that reason, need to do what's best for them. And if that is transferring to another program in another school, then... Albeit, go for it if you think that's the best choice for your future. So I can understand that. Yeah. Speaking of offense and speaking of how just the offensive weapons we have on on this team, Carson Strong was named the famous Idaho Potato Bowl MVP. He was 22 for 28, 271 yards, five touchdowns, which ties a career high. He was outstanding the entire game. He started out nine for nine. Just deadly accurate, yeah. poised. Everything we've said to this point in the year. Should I say this year or last? I got to call it last season now, huh? You could say this. Yeah, yeah just everything he's done up it to this. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> up to this point in 2020, he put it all together in that bowl game. Everything was just clicking for him. And just another outstanding game, another outstanding performance to tap off a, an outstanding season. You know, they brought up... Did you see that graphic they brought up between him and Trevor Lawrence? I did see that. That was at halftime. I wish they would have done it at the end of the game. Yeah, I know. He added on to his stats, but, like, that's still kind of crazy. Yeah, I know the competition is drastically different. Drastically We're not trying to compare, you know, Carson Strong to a quarterback prospect that hasn't been, in my opinion, this highly regarded since Andrew Locke. That's been... So that's eight years now to this point, so... Or even nine years, if you count 2020. But just just showing that statistical dominance over eight games, not even including the 271 yards and five touchdowns from the ninth game, just spectacular. I, so much props to Carson Strong. I think, well, I think they included, like, his stats at half. Did they? Yeah. Okay. I okay, want to so think they did. Because I, I think yeah. they had his, his graphic at 25 touchdowns, and he had three touchdowns in the first half. Okay. But Which is way. weird. Um, I kind of again. I kind of wish they would have done the entire 
like body of work. Yes. Yeah. Either before or after. I don't know why they do it at, at the half. But... I didn't even catch that when I was watching the stream, though. I saw it on, I saw it from the Pack Center like Twitter account. I can't remember who tweeted it, but I was like, wait, <laughs> someone actually like made this comparison. <laughs> what? But hey, it's just a statistical comparison, and again, a testament to how good Strong's been this year. Yeah, definitely. He helped. He put himself and helped put Nevada football on the map this year. It was just a great year as a whole, and he was spectacular against Tulane. Like you said, just picking his spots, dangerous in so many aspects that game, and he put it all together. And I coped with a very, very balanced running attack. That yeah. was arguably our best rushing performance of the year. I mean, in terms of a one-two punch. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. Both Devontae Lee and Toa Tower looked awesome. I thought Hawaii, but then you said one-two punch, and then... Just as a whole, I mean, both of them rushed for over 100 yards. I think it was the first time since 2015 where two Nevada teammates has rushed for 100 yards in a single game. I mean, I this is kind of the game you wish to have from both Toa Tower and Devontae Lee because they both easily have the talent to be starting running backs in their own regard. So to see them flourish in a single game like that was great to see. It really made the the rest of the offense really balanced and really opened up lanes in the passing game and the running game. So just a dominant offensive performance, one that we've grown used to seeing this year. Devontae Lee, both Tawa and Lee are like this, but Lee especially, he's so much fun to watch in close yard situations. He just gives it his all. The he effort. just doesn't yeah, go down, the, dude. No, he doesn't. He he bounces off. Tacklers just bounce off him. You try to arm tackle him, and he still gets through you. He still drags you for an extra three or four yards. Like He's a lot of fun to watch in close yard situations. You're going to have to bring a lot to bring him down. Yes, both of them are what I call yard churners because it seems as if no matter what. Neither takes, of them go down. Yeah, it seems as if with both of them, they make a one-yard gain, you know, a three- or four-yard gain, a three-yard gain, a five-, six-yard gain, and et cetera. And it's just a testament to kind of how hard it is to be a running back in so many situations because, gosh, when lanes aren't open and you're just about to be pummeled into the ground, they don't give up. They always strive for extra yardage, and they always get that extra yard. And Lee, especially against Tulane, monsters yeah in those short yardage situations. there was a, there was a run um i can't remember when it was but i mean i'm sure this happened multiple times actually but there was a run where lee almost got bottled up in the backfield for like a one or two yard loss and got like five yards out of it. it's like wait it's what he does but yeah i mean just a well-balanced offensive game plan that in some ways worked to perfection i mean it was just very clean Little mistakes, very effective. I mean, as simple as that. Something else I also want to hit on. Nevada was without defensive tackle Don Peterson and defensive end Sam Hammond, and they still found a way to get eight sacks, which is the most since 2003. Ridiculous. I mean, big shout-outs to Lawson Hall and Trent Nichols. And they, Trevor Price. And Trevor Price. I mean, they brought the pressure in constantly defensively. and In the second half especially. I mean, it was... No, that was without Hammond and Peterson, who I know we've talked about on previous podcasts, were two of the, I would say, like mainstays of our defensive line in terms of constant pressure. And if we were to get some sort of statistical figure in there, they were kind of our leaders in that end, especially on the sack aspect. But Yeah, there were our two highest sack leaders. I think Dom had four and a half and Sam had four. Or maybe I'm mixing that up. But, they, yeah, they were our two highest sack leaders. And Nevada had 15 sacks on the season heading into the game, and they cut that in half in just one game. Yeah, I was not expecting eight sacks, especially without those two guys, but it was a complete team effort. And just goes to show, those types of games, you need those types of contributions and balled out in that aspect. Also, Nevada had three interceptions. Matched their season total. It was just a great defensive yeah. game. Finally, in terms of making plays. Finally, seeing what happens when a defense can force turnovers and force sacks on a consistent basis really does things for your offense as a whole and puts them in great yardage situations. And holy moly, it just felt like that game, you know, just coming off that San Jose State loss, as we said, 
it just felt like Nevada wanted it. They just wanted to close the end on a high note, and they certainly did defensively in so many ways. So props. I mean, it did wonders for us on both sides of the ball and really helped build that double-digit advantage early on. Yeah, Lamine Touré had one, Christian Swint, and then, of course, Nevada's uh, slot corner, six-year senior, uh, E.J. Muhammad had one too so it was a great it was it was a great performance for the defense and hopefully something that we could build upon heading into next year nevada finishes even in the turnover margin for the year nevada only had three interceptions as i mentioned before heading into that game so it's it's nice to see turnovers create big plays and also as you mentioned it set up nevada for um, good yardage situations like on the first or on two lanes, first drive, an interception put Nevada into the red zone, which led to a touchdown pass. After Nevada failed on four consecutive tries from the goal line on four straight Wildcat plays. Yeah, yeah, which I was I wondering. Even, it, yeah, I, I was gonna. Go into. <laughs> yeah, love the Wildcat. I'm just sitting there. I was like, oh, four straight Wildcat plays. What could go wrong? Boom, 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 boom. Uh, it was a tough look. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it was, it a, was tough a tough for the look. wild look, for the wildcat. But then later in the game, Tao had a fifty-yard touchdown off the say, wildcat. Off the wildcat, so you win some, you lose some. <laughs> but yeah, as you said, just a dominant performance on both sides of the ball. The game itself, I think Nevada had a much bigger control than the actual box score showed, especially with a couple garbage time touchdowns they, from Tulane. They but... controlled essentially the entire game with the section, with except this section of a of the third quarter. That was it. Yeah. I mean, they were in control, like you said, the entire game. So the box score looks a lot closer than the game actually shows. So I don't know. That's how I kind of viewed it. I agree. I agree. Do you have any more? No. Anything more to add? No. You want to get on to basketball? Oh, wait. What do you think about that reverse flea flicker that Nevada did? That was kind of... That was nifty. Yeah. I liked the creativeness of that. I liked it. I wish, obviously... Like, wish we would have seen that. I would have. I would have loved to have seen that in person, at one of the home games this year. But just something. I don't know. It was very out of the box. I would say it certainly took me off guard. So I can only imagine how the opposing defense was. Because Tala couldn't be, couldn't <laughs> have been more wide open. Yeah, they were like there, no one within was within fifteen miles of him. No, it was a great play call. Very creative. I don't know who called that one up in terms of Norvell or if Mummy tapped Norvell on the shoulder and said, maybe run this play. Either way, very creative. I liked that. I would have loved to have seen that one in person. But props, very creative play call. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything more to add? No, that just about wraps it up for football. Successful season. On to 2021. Let's talk about something that wasn't as exciting. Ouch. Nevada basketball. Hey, the first game was exciting. Yeah. This Nevada yes. played two games. Yes. To give you some context. Both were against Air Force. It kicked off their conference schedule. Nevada won the first one, 74-57. And lost the second one, 68-66. That was such it a was certainly It was a tale of two games. It really was. I was gonna say the exact same team. The exact same thing. It really was. Yeah, Cambridge had 23 points in who led Nevada with 23 points in the first game. Nevada shot 51.1% from the floor and 38.1% from deep. Air Force shot 41.3% from the floor and 35.3% from deep. Surprised they shot that well from deep. It just didn't feel like that throughout the game. Nevada outscored them 33-18 in the second half after heading into halftime with just a two-point lead. Warren Washington had 16 points and seven rebounds. Zane Meeks had 14 points with a team high, eight rebounds. Uh, true freshman for Air Force, Glenn McClintock, I think that's how you say his name, had a career-high 15 points. A.J. Walker had 14 points, and he slaughtered Nevada in the second game, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Nevada had a lot of trouble with Air Force's Princeton offense in the first game, and essentially what the not not essentially, I mean, there's different, like ways you can run it, but essentially what the Princeton offense includes is a lot of cutting, um, a lot of uh, a lot of screening, back screens, uh, flare screens, and Nevada had trouble with that in the first half in the first game um, we're talking about. 
they had seemingly, I think, it, close to 20 points in the paint, Air Force did in the first half. They scored 39 points in the first half. And then Nevada, Nevada tightened up a lot in the second half, and they only allowed 18 points. Air Force shot just 27% in the second half. And so it really tightened up in that department. But over game two, it was essentially the same problem paired with the fact that Nevada couldn't buy a bucket. Literally could not buy a bucket. Talk about a lid on the rim. Dude, seriously. It's, it was almost as like Nevada's shots that were going in against Air Force. Clanked. In the first game weren't going in in the second game. It also just felt like Nevada was settling a little bit too much because Air Force was in that 2-3 zone. They mixed it up a little bit. They were mostly in the 2-3 zone in the first game, but in the second game, they were in it the entire game, and Nevada had trouble with it. I mean, there were some nice, uh, throughout the two games, there were some nice uh, high-low passes. There were some nice, really just high-low actions and uh, nice uh, drives and kicks and getting into the paint, getting those paint touches. But overall, it wasn't, necessarily what you want to see especially in the second game oh just because just because of the missed shots yeah definitely and you said like felt like nevada in that second game kind of played to air force's hand they were really chucking it up from deep and like you said settling for a lot of perimeter jump shots would have loved to have seen more driving to the paint if you could have trying to get to the free throw line maybe get your rhythm offensively and try and battle back into the game from that standpoint but they didn't and as that continued to kind of churn on, Air Force really brought it on in the second half. You know, they outscored Nevada 44-33, to 33, and they had several key contributors throughout the floor. I know we'll get into on Air Force's perspective, but, you know, there's coming out of that first game, heading into that second game, like you said, it was just kind of like a tale of two teams in so many different aspects. Just less aggressive, very reliant on jumpers and, not really finding that offensive rhythm. And Air Force, to their credit, stayed consistent with their game plan throughout in both games. And you saw one take place and two kind of like a, a good win for them. So that one certainly left a sour taste in our mouths. Yeah, Nevada had it, – it didn't feel this way, but Nevada had 12 more points in the paint than in the second game than it did the first game. But a, a part of that was because Nevada was hitting their shots from outside in the first game. Nevada just went two for 24 from the three-point line in the second game. They missed their final 12 attempts. They just couldn't They couldn't hit a basket. Gosh, that's just that's a tough statistic to look at, considering just how poorly you shot from the floor. And that can be something to turn around, you know, knowing you only lost by two shooting that poorly from the floor. But it's also something to learn from. Just, you know, you don't always have to rely on three-point shooting because sometimes you can live and die by it. And that was a key example of it. Yeah, and the fact that if, more so in the second half, but both teams were just trading free throws at some point in the second half. And Air Force, unlike in game one, they were hitting their free throws. In the first game, they shot 13 of 23 from the free throw line. In the second game, they were 16 of 18. And so that's a much higher percentage. They missed twice as opposed to 10 times. So I guess that kind of helped them sustain... Or not sustain, but uh, no, yeah, sustain their lead that they had in the second half in that second game, as opposed to not being able to get back into the game in the first game. Yeah, definitely. You, know, you kind of hit the nail on the head there with just how effective both teams were in those two games. So kind of brought it up. I know going into Air Force that second game, just how good was A.J. Walker? I mean, he was... A.J. Walker was so good in that second game. Took over. I mean, he kind of stole the show on both sides of the floor. <laughs> just from a performance aspect, he just looked a step above everyone else. That game, specifically. He was amazing. Yeah, in the second game, A.J. Walker led Air Force with 27 points on 11 of 18 shooting. He had three steals. Chris Joyce, who Shout was out. the team's leading scorer uh, heading into the series, had just six points in game one. He had 18 in game two. He was second on the team in scoring, 5 of 12 from the field, had four rebounds. Two assists and a steal too. Um, Nevada. Zane Meeks led the team with 18 points on 5 of 11 shooting. Brent Sherfield only had 10 points. And Desmond Cambridge, who had three consecutive 20-point games, had just 
eight points on four of 12 shooting. He was one of nine from the three-point line. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's for Desmond, it's just night and day, and that's just how shooters are. Yeah. I mean, you see from game one to game two just the difference, you know, when you're hitting your shots and when you're not. It's you, basketball, man. It, that's how it, it is. It happens. So I know just brushing off that loss, it seems so long ago that that game took place. So I know that loss is kind of fresh in our minds, but the, the first win was very impressive in a lot of aspects. So just, you know, continuing throughout the season. And I know without football from here on out, we'll be paying even more attention to men's and women's basketball. So I'm excited. Yeah, Nevada will continue. They start a four-game road trip, the first two being this weekend at New Mexico. They will play Thursday, December 31st, New Year's Eve, our favorite holiday, (laughs) Um, at 6 p.m. on FS1. Alfred makes a return. Yeah. Well, no, it's actually going to be played in Lubbock, Texas. Oh, that's right. Alfred still faces his former squad. Right. Oh, and his former assistant, yeah. Paul Weir. It's going to be a little small Wait, world. Paul Weir was his assistant, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I remember him talking about in the presser, his introductory his introductory presser. Right. Uh, that's what I was just trying to remember that off the top of my head. Yeah. It's going to be a big stretch of four games for Nevada to just kind of bounce back from that loss and continue on what's been, would you call it an up and down season to this point? I would say it's been... Yeah, for the most part, a couple bad losses mixed in. Yeah. But just, you know, this four-game stretch is going to really, you know, prove to see how much Nevada's kind of gelled as a unit to this point now that we've had a few games under our belt and just seeing how the year progresses. Yeah, those San Francisco and Grand Canyon losses weren't super ideal, but, hey, both are good teams, so. Yeah, to their credit. So just have to see how Nevada responds in that regard. But the worst part about this two-game or this four-game road trip is that after that, I think Nevada has San Diego State on the road. And that's going to be tough. That's going to be real tough. And the the part of what I'm saying, the worst part about it is in a normal season, Nevada would get one at home and one on the road against San Diego State. That's not happening this year. It's both in Viejas. It's going to be chaos in Viejas. I am so sorry. It's terrible, terrible rhyme scheme, but... No one's going to be there, so hopefully yeah. that could prove to be better advantage. I hope that. so. I just, I don't know why I said that, but yeah, this year's going to be different. Having two games against San Diego State on the road, I'm very curious to see how they perform, and I think this four-game stretch is really going to tell just how well they've improved and kind of bonded as a unit, you could say. Yeah, that's not going to be until the following week, so once... Next week, we'll preview that. But Definitely. yes, Nevada will play New Mexico December 31st and January 2nd on Saturday. Thursday, it's going to be 6 p.m. on FS1. Uh, Saturday's game is going to be at 7 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. Women's basketball also played a little bit. Nevada beat Fresno Pacific 71-67. Um, and then they also... Suffered their first loss of the season to St. Mary's, 83-68. Um, so Nevada's now 4-1 on the season. Yeah, it's similar to the men's team where the first, you know, that second loss is still fresh in the minds. But <clears throat> once again, you know, women's team is off to an awesome start, even brushing off the loss against St. Mary's. And once again, Deja Hamilton, I just have to shout her out. Once again, she's been absolutely tremendous this year. Just seeing her offensive growth and improvements, even with her own shooting touch. I know she kind of changed her shot this year, and it's really made a difference from outside. She had a a team-high 24 points on 8 of 18 shooting against Fresno Pacific. Just overall, a really good, well-rounded team performance. LaPrecia Johnson had 12 points as well. and Megan Ormiston had a great weekend, too. Yeah, I must say, it's just... A lot of collection of young talent on the women's team that's really starting to unfold. And they're another young unit that continues to really grow. And it's kind of similar to, who am I trying to say? Like, not no other real team on campus, but just having impact seniors and JUCO transfers really do well combined with that young talent has proved well to this point. The Eric Musselman led Nevada? Yeah, <laughs> in a little ways, yeah. In a little bit By of way, ways. Shout out, Muss. Always, always got to find a way. 
Yeah, didn't we say one podcast that we were going to like try to shout him out every podcast? Yes. I think did. it may have been the last one. It may, I think it may have, because I know we were talking about his departure and stuff, but other than that, yeah, I know. People aren't going to like that we're shouting him out this much. No. People no. still, again, people still, still have They're still in the will. feelings. I don't at I'm, all. I never did, but people do. It's it's subjective to everyone. Yeah, I understand. But at the same time, hey, it is what it is. Shout out, Moss, once again. But Arkansas is 8-0. They're good. Yeah, they're really good. <laughs> but As opposed to the John Calipari-led Kentucky, who's 1-6, I think, believe. You hate to see that. The Blue Bloods. You hate to see that. There's really a new uh, top team in the SEC. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. <laughs> anyways, going back to the women's team, they just kind of like the Nevada men's team, just shooting woes really plagued them, and their offensive game plan didn't really work against St. Mary's. And to St. Mary's credit, they had a very, very solid game offensively from the floor. They shot 52.7%, hit 11, oh, hit five of its 11 three-pointers. And, you know, those types of numbers can put you over the top when your opposing team has no offensive rhythm, and that was the case. It's kind of like the Nevada men's team's loss. And, you know, just another way for the women's team to bounce back. Full faith in them this year. They've been tremendous to this point in the games they've played, and they have another kind of tough stretch of games for them to prove themselves throughout the year. And I'm excited just to see how they grow and respond. Yeah, they will face New Mexico this week. 6 p.m. at Lawler Event Center on Thursday. They will also play December... January 2nd um, at 1 p.m. at Lawler Event Center. I don't think any fans are allowed in, into those games. No. But um, they will both be happening on the same days as Nevada's road trip at New Mexico and even close to the same times. And so those are those are uh, sports to look out to as in the coming weeks prior to school starts. Now that football season's ended, we are going to be deep diving into more basketball, obviously. And so stay tuned for that. Definitely. We'll keep pumping it out. Previews and recaps. It's kind of nice to be doing this again. Yeah, it is. After the after the long hiatus. Yes. It feels good to be back. I feel fresh. I feel energized. I'm, I'm going just... to feel that way uh, January 1st, 2021, because it's a new year. Woo-hoo! It's, not like the, it's, it's not like I'm the same problems or the same the beneficiaries are happening, because um, it's a different year. Anyway, <laughs> 2020 did kind of suck, though. Oh, definitely. Kinda? It's an understatement. Yeah. Well, it depends. You and I launched this podcast, or not launched it, but we joined the podcast in 2020. Boom. Upside. Big upside. Nevada went 7-2 and two in football. Boom. Upside. Correlation? <laughs> I think not. <laughs> yeah, not, guys, next year we're going to go 12-0 uh, in the regular season. We're going to go 13-0 in the month. Uh, Win the Mountain West Championship. Yeah. And we're going to go 14-0 and because bowl game. Boom. That's what we do. You've heard it here first. But, yeah. No, overall. Glad we got to have Austin here. on and talk about football. We do. We need to have Austin and Tyler on. Yeah. Could reach Just back out to see what their thoughts them. are in the football season. I would love to have that. Yeah. You know what? You got to do that. Shout yeah, out. Yeah, shout out Austin and Tyler. We should hit them up and see what's going on. Yeah. Because I know they'd love to be back. Yeah. For sure, for sure, for sure. So if you're listening to this, Austin or Tyler, you're welcome back onto the pod. Yeah. We'll have to get a date scheduled. Yeah, we could figure something out, yeah. especially now. Yeah, just get their thoughts on the football season because we weren't able to talk to them this entire time. Austin had a 6-2 and two prediction. Yeah, dude. I, he's, he's, we got to give him some – got to show some love. And I'd love to see what went through his thought process there and everything like that. So, and I'd I, mean, love I know to... we all predicted wins against San Jose State. Yes, I know I did. <laughs> Not great. <laughs> Not great at all. But once again, shout out San Jose State for their historic season. Captured a lot of national attention for good reason and awesome. You know, feel good story of the year. This is something also something I want to ask you. I wish we t- would have talked about this earlier. Now that the season's settled, 
I know we've mentioned a few podcasts ago. I can't remember if it was the Fresno State podcast or what podcast it was, but talking about Jane Orville's departure. Now that the season's settled, and now that Nevada wasn't able to make it to the Mountain Most Championship game, they won their bowl game. They finished seven and two. Do you, what? What are the odds now that you think Norvell leaves for a better job? And of course, the Arizona job filled up, the Vanderbilt job filled up, and so there's not as many job openings as there was before. I would say fifteen percent, fifteen twenty percent. I just don't. Now that those two vacancies, really? yeah, have filled up, I see him staying. Yeah, I, I, mine was even lower than that. Yeah, see, I'm, because of the, I didn't even factor in the financials of it. Like, I think he has a two and a half million dollar buyout, buyout, something like that. Yeah, and, and so I don't know if I think it's also worth mentioning that um, San Jose State's head coach Brett Brennan, Brett Brennan, resigned with San Jose State as well. So, yeah, and so I thought mine was at like five percent. Yeah, I could was. see that. I was given like a little. I would say no more than fifteen percent. Even then, that seems high, like you said. So now, if Nevada does really well next year, yeah, like as long as maybe. Nevada keeps winning maybe. games and making bowl appearances and potential Mountain West championship appearances, if that's the case, his name will generate plenty of buzz. So as he should, as it should. You know, we've talked about how well he's done with this program and his leadership skills and how well his players fight and play for him. Those are some qualities that you need from a head coach that any program could want. So. And just him being around, being yeah. having NFL experience, having collegiate experience in the Big 12, Big 10, I think maybe Pac-12, I can't remember. And so he's been, he's been all around. He's had these different positions. And so he's been in the game a long time. And so I can see uh, coaching spots opening up for him. Um, in the near future. Yeah. And he deserves it. Oh, definitely. No, his name deserves to be in those types of discussions. So I guess we'll just see. But Yeah, don't look at the three and nine year when he when it was like revamping the roster. Look at the yeah. seven and six, eight and five, now seven and two. Hopefully even uh, more than that in the coming years. Yeah, definitely, especially if we're playing a full regular season. Yeah. Knock on wood. So Yeah, knock on wood there. Yeah. But um yeah. Anything else? No. Yeah, same. No. No, it's it's weird having football season end this early, but at the same time, it's also December, so it really ends around the same time anyways. Just weird having just nine games. But hey, man, that's how the cookie crumbles. Yeah, take what you can get. Thank you for listening. Hope you guys had a great and safe holiday weekend, as we said before. Happy New Year, even though I won't be celebrating New Year's. You might be. I mean, it's kind of hard to celebrate New Year's anyway because of COVID. But usually I just stay home in my room anyways. Um, yeah. I'll be watching a lot. One thing I do like about New Year's, though, is New Year's Six Bowls. The Good bowl point. Games. Yeah, that'll Coach be fun. playoff will be on New Year's Day. So, I mean, that's something to always look forward to when it comes to New Year's Day. But anyways, thank you for listening. Hope you had a great week. See you next week.